This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 38, and a little baseball, recorded on July 14th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, with your host, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, how you doing? I'm good. I'm ready to have actual baseball back. The uh, this this last day before the second half is like the worst sports day of the year. Oh, what are you saying that the All Star Game isn't real baseball, Jason? Well, the All Star Game I'm fine with, but there's no All Star Game today, and there was oh. no All Star Game yesterday. So we're now two days, and there's no like other sports going on right now either. There's just like nothing happening. <laughs> It is crazy how I know that there's going to be baseball tomorrow, but right now it feels like the middle of January. <laughs> Even though I know deep down there's going to be baseball, it just doesn't feel like it at all. Yeah, well, it's like the start of a new season that the Indians get to start a six-and-a-half game head start on everyone else. Right, exactly. Which, I mean, we should do that every time, I think. Yes, so, I've, I've been saying that. <laughs> so what we did get to watch over the weekend was first uh, Giancarlo Stanton just crushing the home run derby. Uh, he had 61 home runs. That was on Monday. And then Tuesday was the All-Star game. Uh, Lindor went 0 for 3 in his couple at-bats there. And Kluber had one inning. Strikeout and ended up getting in the win. Um, so what did you think of both of those? Did you get a chance to watch them? Did you like them? I watched both. And I didn't watch the home run derby at least not more than like 15 minutes of it in, I don't know, how a few years at least. Uh, but Stanton was so impressive. Uh, and I think... I think one of the things that helps a home run derby is a ballpark that looks good on TV, and San Diego has that. So, like, it's an aesthetically pleasing park to watch guys hit home runs into because uh, there's, like, different tiers and the weird building down the line and the open space in the middle. So there's, like, a lot of different places for home runs to end up. Uh, you know, some stadiums is just, like, you know, row after row of seats. Uh, but I thought San Diego was a good venue for it. And when I was watching, it was like, all I could think of was, how is Stanton never, why hasn't he won every home run derby, like, everywhere on earth forever? It was impossible to imagine anyone ever beating him in a home run derby. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't he was injured last year, right? I think before the home run derby I feel like came he must around. have been, like, injured forever. I feel like he, again, like, watching it was just, it felt like he was born to win home run derbies. <laughs> Yeah, and just crush baseballs, which happens to work in home run derbies. He had 61 altogether. That's crazy. As many people were noting, he hit as many home runs in two hours as Roger Maris hit in a 162-game season. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I didn't watch much of that. and I did watch a little bit because it was fun to see Stanton. And then the All-Star game, I just watched basically until after Corey Kluber pitched. Did you watch any of that? Yeah, I watched. I I usually watch the whole All-Star game. I'm still sort of a sucker for it. Uh, I was with some friends who are not like massive baseball fans, so it was funny to watch it with the three of them and have them be like, "Yep, I've never heard of this guy. Never heard of this guy. Uh, they knew David Ortiz, of course." Um, but yeah, you know, Kluber, Kluber won the game because he's a winner, and uh, yeah, now if the Indians great. make the World Series, they they get to host the first couple games. So <laughs> that's stupid and shouldn't be the case, but I'll take it. My kind of thing with the All-Star game is, like, when we're at this point in the season, especially when the Indians are winning now more than ever, but it's like I'm not in the mood at all for exhibition baseball. I know everybody seems to hate the NFL Pro Bowl, but the way they used to do it, at least when I was younger, I really loved. Because the, they'd have the Super Bowl and then, like, the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. It was just, like, a big vacation. You get to see all the players just kind of 
goofing around and everything at the end of the season. I always thought that was kind of a nice little end cap, and now they made theirs so much worse by putting it before the Super Bowl, and then baseball and basketball, of course, do it in the middle of the season, which, like, when you're coming off so many intense games in a row, I just never really want to watch people half try at a game. <laughs> I like it as a capper to the season, but I've never been a fan of it in the middle. So, See, to me, like, after it. the World Series, I would have no interest in it. Really? Yeah, I would feel like the World Series was the World Series, and, like, now this just seems stupid. <laughs> well, that was kind of the thing I liked, though. It's just, like, a little relaxing thing to say that it's over. We can all kind of recognize this. I don't know. Maybe football like is dumb, though, because, like, it can't even really be football because football is, like, so incredibly violent that it would be colossally stupid of anyone to do something that risked, like, serious injury in a game that didn't count for anything. So I feel like it's, like... I mean, I'm not an NFL fan even more, anymore, but even when I was, the Pro Bowl, I don't think there was a any time of year when the Pro Bowl would have had my interest. The game itself, maybe not, but I like the way they did it. And I like, they don't do this anymore at all, but it must have been in like the mid to early 2000s when I was really into football. They did, they just had like a whole day of skills competitions, basically. Like they had just little corny football target things and kick things. I mean, especially as a kid who really likes football, it's fun to watch. So I wish baseball would do that kind of thing. And even hockey does it, too. They do, like, the sharpshooter stuff. The skills stuff. Baseball is the home run stuff, derby. Some sort of, like, outfield throwing accuracy. Yeah. Uh, you know, something with catchers, you know, like timing. You know, they're throwing base runners out or things like that. I, I think they could definitely do things like that. Um, and I think that would be a great way to just, like, market more of your players, too. Like, players with different skill sets. Yeah. Uh, Someone was, I can't remember who it was, but someone was, was commenting that they're like, wow, like, I don't think I ever knew what Mike Trout sounded like. And someone <laughs> else was like, yeah, it doesn't say much for baseball's marketing that the best player of the last five years, you weren't even sure what his voice sounded like. Exactly. And I mean, I don't want to stick on football here too long, but like, it's just off the top of my head thinking about their faces. I can probably think of what more football players look like than baseball players. Which, which is, is weird. weird. They wear a helmet. <laughs> Right, but football's so much better at marking them outside and everything. But yeah, there's so few baseball players I can nail down what they look like just thinking out off the top of my head. So I think a skills competition would be great for that. Just something other than just the All-Star game and the Home Run Derby. Although the Home Run Derby is still fun. I like that. But Yeah, I feel like the Home Run Derby has gotten better. Like they, They've reworked the rules a little bit. Like Instead of a number of pitches, it's a clock, and you can get extra time if the home runs are especially long. Uh, yeah, I felt, I mean, part of it was just Stanton was so crazy. But uh, I, feel, I feel like they've kind of made some fixes there. But, yeah, they could do a whole bunch of stuff like the NBA does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. They have the slam dunk contest. <laughs> Although that hasn't gotten much attention lately. I don't know if it just got – the last one I actually remember anybody caring about was when Dwight Howard put on a cape. Well, that yeah, I feel like the slam dunk contest has gotten sort of like – played out but they do what uh, I mean, the three-point shooting contest and then they do i don't know what they call it but it's like the point guard competition basically where there's like an obstacle course that they have to dribble around and make like passes into targets and stuff like that like they have different things that you know like a 510 point guard who's not an awesome shooter and you know isn't going to be much of a dunker but like he can show off his skill set i think it would be cool for baseball to do things that showed off different skill sets and then home run hitting is obviously like the big draw, but there's other cool ones too. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else, like you said, the, the like catcher pop-up throwing the second thing would be cool. The other thing is like a, a there is a sprint. strong possibility that baseball players don't want all this stuff because they're happy just yeah. to have the extra days off. 
So for all I know, baseball has like brought up the idea and the players association was like, no, we're going to pass on that. Which again, see, if you put it at the end of the season as a nice little capper, they might be willing to. Although by that time the season's over, they won't want to anyway. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> but make them do it at the end of the season because they're not going to get hurt and miss a bunch of games. Their all-star game thing and, and going back to David Ortiz, whose name I mentioned before, I don't really, I don't, like when, when it was Derek Jeter's last all-star game, Knew it was going to be just the Derek De- Jeter night, and he was going to get nonstop attention. And while like that annoyed me because Derek Jeter, like I, I understood it because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer and and all of that stuff. I don't really feel like David Ortiz is on that level, and I feel like there's like right now a big. And I know he's having an awesome season and it's and all that, but he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. ESPN today had a ridiculous. <laughs> But he's top a great 10 players baseman. at every position. And David Ortiz, they had as the number 10 first baseman of all time, which A, he's not first baseman. B, even if you count him as a first baseman, he's not one of the 10 best ever. And I feel like, I don't know why, if it's just the need to have someone get that sort of attention to make it an event. And if there's just a need to put him on that list just because he's he's popular right now and it gets more attention that way. But I feel like there's a lot of mainstream media making David Ortiz out to be a much better baseball player than he's actually been. And he's been a great baseball player, but he's not hes not a first ballot Hall of Fame baseball player. Yeah, I think the cynical answer, like you said, they just want somebody. I guess it was probably Mariano Rivera that started that. Was just like when you're retiring, you announce it a year ahead of time, and then you get a whole circuit. I mean, like anybody who has marginal success anymore, I'm guessing they're going to get something huge at MLB like... In five years, we're going to have the Ian Desmond. <laughs> when he retires, it'll be his big thing. Just because, sure, why not? Somebody's retiring. I bet we're going to have like one or two of these, or one of these every like year or other year when somebody's retiring. And eventually, they're going to get smaller and smaller in like how big of a player they are, just because it makes so much money and attention just by saying this guy's retiring and just blasting it constantly. Well, and then, and again, we're getting away from baseball, but. Tim Duncan announced his retirement this week. You know, quietly. You know, a couple weeks after the finals. And yeah, like no, there's not going to be. There will be no encore. There's there's going to be no say goodbye tour, which is just classic Tim Duncan to just sort of you know quietly step away. And I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't begrudge a guy announcing it ahead of time if he wants to, but I do begrudge David Ortiz announcing it ahead of time because he wanted to, and then complaining about all the attention he's getting, which he's done, and uh, <laughs> trying to have his cake and eat it too. Uh, I feel like. I mean, you do what you want. It's your career. Go out the way you want. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just I, I feel like I understand why for Red Sox fans it's a big thing, but I just don't feel like he's on that level as a player where he should be getting this kind of national attention. Yeah, I don't either. I think if we're gonna do a DH first, I'd rather have Edgar Martinez in before him anyway. Yes, agreed. Although he's not as he's not as clutchy and apparently not as good as a first baseman either. So maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Playing Boston is the real thing, working against him. There you go. You mean working for Ortiz? Yes. Yes. Working against Edgar. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Well, so now that we've talked about the NFL and the NBA (laughs) and the All-Star game, I suppose we should maybe talk about the Cleveland Indians. So, did you watch any soccer this weekend, Jason? (laughs) You were out of the country. Well, you're a cup (laughs) I, I could get into my hatred for Ronaldo. (laughs) <laughs> Let's just go that. Why not? Let's, today we're just going to have a casual baseball check because we're at the All-Star break. Why do you hate like the most popular athlete on the planet? Oh, I, I don't know how anyone who... like I get it if you're 
if if you're Portuguese or if you're like a longtime Real Madrid fan, and I am not like a big soccer person. I'm gonna I'm saying this like I'm some sort of I'm totally not. <laughs> For some reason, I don't think you have to be a big fan to hate a player. I don't imagine you. And I just want to make it clear. I, I don't really know what I'm talking about. But I don't know how anyone who doesn't have, like, a reason to have to root for the team season can watch him and not hate him. Like, he's so – I feel like he's the most hateable athlete on the planet. Sure. And that's not to say he's not great. I mean, he's – to the extent that I understand soccer, I know he's a tremendous goal scorer. But just watching him, it's like, ah, oh, I want nothing more than to watch – them lose and then he got hurt and they won without him so I guess like that was kind of okay because they might have lost if he had stayed in the game or something I could at least tell myself and I hate Ronaldo just everybody please send your hate mail to hate Ronaldo that's h8 at jasonlucart.com he will receive all your hate mail for this (laughs) I don't know is he a liked person I just know he's popular I don't follow soccer like at all yeah, no, I know he's super popular, and I know he's super good, uh, but man, I find him despicable. <laughs> so anyway, speaking of, well, there's no way to segue that. The opposite, <laughs> not despicable things, the Indians' first half of the season. Well, I guess we could start with Jan Gomes. That's pretty despicable so far. We could just start right with the catcher stuff, because you wrote earlier this week that even now you think Roberto Perez should be the starting catcher over Jan Gomes, and yeah, just you want to talk about that? I mean, I've thought... Uh, for over a year, maybe not, maybe not with logic. I thought it for over a year, but I've wanted it for over a year. <laughs> but lately, now I think it actually legitimately, legitimately makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I Young as as I said in the article, his on base percentage right now would be the lowest by any player with as many plate appearances as he, as he has since 1911, uh, and that's that's really not good. You can't be making an out 80 percent of the time you go to the plate. You just can't. And I know regression means that's probably going to go up. But if you go back to the beginning of last year, his numbers are terrible, and now you're looking at a year and a half. Uh, and I know some people have speculated that there's, like, a vision issue and, uh, you know, he should get LASIK, and, and maybe that'll help, but he hasn't had it yet. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know the pitchers love working with him. Uh, Corey Kluber's mom actually commented on Facebook about the posts basically saying my son loves Jan Gomes. I don't want to see him go anywhere. And I offer the compromise of Jan could just be Kluber's personal catcher. You know, he could catch when Kluber's starting and then Roberto Perez could catch the other four guys for the time being. Uh, She seemed amenable to that. So maybe that's the solution that makes uh, everyone, including Corey Kluber's mom, happy. Uh, But yeah, we've got to see. I feel like when Perez is ready, which isn't going to be Friday, I initially said Friday and I know now that's, He's not going to be quite ready for, you know, maybe a, a week, week and a half after that. Um, but, yeah, I think Perez should get the brunt of playing time. I don't know is what you do with Gomes. I, I don't know if you send him down uh, or if you have him as the backup for a while. What do you think? What I know you want Perez starting, so let's say Perez is starting. What do you do with Gomes? I don't know. how If he has an option, which you said he does, and I'll believe you. <laughs> but, I mean, there's no way to keep track of options, but... If he does, I don't know how you don't send him down. I mean, it's like the case of, what is it, with golf called the yips or something like that, where you can't 
he just he just can't swing right now. So just send him down. Chris Jimenez is a fine backup catcher for now. And then, of course, he can work with Trevor Bauer and then let Roberto Perez go with everybody else. Unless, of course, I mean, even if Jan Gomes is that good with every single pitcher, at some point, like you said, he's making it out an out at like 87% of the time he comes up to the plate or whatever it was. Would you say like 80%? 80. Yeah, his, yeah. Uh, his base percentage is 201. So that's that's 20%. So that's the other 80 right. are outs. Yeah, and you can't be doing that no matter how much you're helping the pitchers. I would take a slight dip in pitching if it meant having a catcher that could hit. And yeah, I don't think... Oh, man. I mean, it is difficult. If if The only other options are optioning on Gomes or cutting Chris Jimenez, basically, I guess. Because you can DFA him, but I'm guessing somebody's going to claim him. Yeah, I, I would think. I don't know. Yeah, I so I think like the thing with now. sending Gomes down is getting back into that like nebulous professional athletes are people and this is like right. their work situation and these are their friends in a lot of cases like i know the pitching staff doesn't want him sent down and and i'm sure if you ask them they would say yeah he's struggling but his main job is you know to work with us and and, and to play defense and he's still doing that really really well i know they would say you know he's having a hard time at the plate but overall he's still a big plus for the team and i know the advanced numbers disagree they say he's not but I, what I, do, but there's no way for any of us to know or quantify or anything like that. Is, you know, do, do the players care so much that it's like a chemistry issue, or is that the kind of thing that's, you know, if someone's playing better, the rest of the team's going to be fine with it? I don't know. Yeah, I would have to think with how bad he's hitting. Everybody has to kind of realize it at least. And if the Indians just did it, I would hope that everybody would be mature enough to kind of know that. All right, he's been really bad at the plate, so he's sent down. I don't think anybody would take it personally, I wouldn't hope. I mean, it's obvious he can't hit right now and he needs some kind of help, so I don't know. But I do think, like, to a man, they would all say and generally believe that hitting is not his primary job. and They would feel like he's doing his primary job well and we're in first place and so we shouldn't mess with it. Uh, And again, I don't think that means they're all going to fall apart if he were sent down. Uh, but I think that's like, to me, that's the bigger thing than, well, we don't know if Perez is going to do any better. Like, yeah, we don't know if Perez is going to do any better, but we can kind of guess he will. 1911, he's, he's almost certainly not going to do any worse. So you might as well see. Um, so for me, the, the issue isn't, well, we don't know quite what we'll get from Perez. It's, I don't know how the rest of the team react, but again, at this point, whether he's sent down or just in the backup role with Jimenez gone, uh, yeah, I feel like when Perez is, is healthy enough, unless Combs goes on a tear in the next 10 days, Perez should be starting most of the games for the foreseeable future. It would have to be a really big tear, like <laughs> like three out of four hits every game. But I don't know, if we're talking about just as Gomes as a person, is it worse for like your coaching staff to say, we're going to send you down and get some work or to say we're going to bench you and play somebody else over you and not do anything with you. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. If he's benched, he's probably uh, going to I mean, be benched. You could see which he preferred. You could tell him, you know, do you want to stay on the roster and, you know, play every fifth day or do you want to, you know, play five, six games a week in Columbus and try to work through some stuff? I have no idea. I'd be interested to know how many, you know, players would, would prefer one over the other. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're joking about Kluber's mom commenting, but that's kind of telling. I think that even she realizes how much Kluber and probably the rest of the staff likes Gomes. So 
It's a really difficult situation. I'm glad Terry Francona gets paid a lot to deal with it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I just get to criticize him if I don't like it, what he does afterwards. Yes, we get to wait and see what happens and then criticize right. it. Well. <laughs> see, we have the difficult job here. We have to <laughs> wait and then <laughs> just sit behind our computers. So, uh, kind of going off that. Well, first, I guess, did you have any other general thoughts on the first half of the season? It went okay, I guess. It went okay, I guess. Uh, I looked into this because I'm going to write about it for tomorrow, I think. I was just curious, like, teams at the All-Star break with the the Indians uh, record. Uh, you know, they're 52-36. and 36. Their, their win percentage comes out to 591, which I know is not a percentage, but that's we all call that winning percentage, so you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and so I looked up for teams with a 580 or better winning percentage – uh, or no, I was just trying to look at like around the Indians. I didn't want to include basically teams that were like what I would say is the vicinity of the Indians record since they added the wild card team. 84% of the teams with, with the, when the Indians sort of record uh, have gone on to make the postseason. So I feel like that's pretty good. I would take an 84% chance at the postseason. Oh, for sure. I mean, and at that point, it's just a crapshoot anyway. But I would think if you're six games up at the deadline. Those would be some pretty big collapses that cause it to not make it, I would think. Yeah, and especially with the wild card. Like, even if, you know, the they slow down a little bit and the Royals or Tigers uh, or, I suppose, White Sox got really hot, um, you know, they, they've still got a cushion on a wild And I don't want a wild card spot at this point. Not winning the division would be a pretty big disappointment. Oh, yeah. But I that's know. exciting. I don't know. 2007, I guess, is the last time that, like, at the All-Star break, I was like, well, either they win the division or this has been – a huge disappointment. So it's <laughs> nice to be in that position right now. Definitely. So if it does go the other way, we'll just kind of throw a curveball doomsday scenario in here. If they do collapse and don't make it at all, do you think anything changes? Like, I know obviously fans are going to be wanting everybody lit on fire, but do you think it results in anything huge or just kind of, oh, well, we got a bunch of prospects now, so <laughs> next year? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would depend on know why they collapsed like you know if they're particular like you know the outfield could go a lot of ways right now uh you know if, if Brantley comes back but can't get it going again uh and you know Naquin cools way off and uh there could certainly you know feel like the outfield's a big problem but again like you said prospects you know they've they've got Frazier and Zimmer who at least one of them I think you know early next year will be up um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I can't imagine like a major teardown or anything like that. Uh, both because it would, I don't think it would be warranted. And cause I just don't feel like this front office is sort of has that mindset. Um, I think one of the pitchers getting traded could happen, you know, if they miss the playoffs just to try to kind of like tinker a little bit and, and acquire a different good major league player. Uh, but something like that could happen even if they win the World Series. You know, you're not, you don't necessarily, you win it all, but that doesn't mean you come back with the same 25 guys. So, no, I, I think unless particular players had dramatically different second halves, uh, I wouldn't expect things in the off season to play out all that differently either way. Yeah, it makes sense. I think. The thing I, really I do think that factors in is. Uh, Financially, there's a big difference between a team that makes a big postseason run and a team that misses the playoffs. So in addition to wanting to be able to watch postseason baseball and hopefully see the Indians win the World Series, uh, postseason success would also presumably mean there could be a higher payroll next year. So I guess that's kind of the big difference maybe is the potential for, you know, 
an extra addition. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if we're going to keep hyping up into the future, I mean, if they do well this year and then next year, and maybe a couple prospects get up by the time that big 2018 free agency rolls around, I mean, they're not going to be like going after Manny Machado, but maybe somebody big, they could get that year. And then by that time, their window should be wide open and maybe coming towards the end of it. So maybe they'll get some big free agent there. That'll be cool. I mean, again, more money would, would certainly be nice. And, and the Indians payroll looks high this year. If you just look at like the official numbers, like 95 or something like that, but that includes dead money to Swisher and Bourne and Chris Johnson. So in terms of like the actual guys on the roster, they have like one of the seven or eight lowest payrolls in baseball this year. Yeah, for sure. Which <laughs> they've done quite a bit with it, I think. I mean, yes. as long as they don't do a splash, they could keep a relatively low payroll and be good for quite a few years. If only like half their top 10 prospects pawn out, they'll be pretty good. Who's anyone from the team they don't want to lose. Right. And I mean, they're all locked up until I think the first one to leave is Brantley in 2018 or 19. So they're good for a little while. And by the time he's up or by the time he's gone, hopefully either Bradley Zimmer or Clint Fraser, somebody else will be up to take his place anyway. Yeah. So sort of looking ahead and obviously the next big thing coming up is going to be the trade deadline. And so far the Indians have been quiet both in not actually doing anything and there aren't any actually real rumors. It's just people kind of spitballing. One of them has been obviously Jay Bruce has been, John Heyman has been riding that one pretty hard, which I still don't think the Indians need an outfielder, but that's one of them. Another one is obviously catcher with Jonathan Lucroy probably going to be traded away from the Brewers. He's going to be extremely expensive. And then another one just yesterday was Buster only who said the Indians could be a sleeper. And apparently he, um, today in a post, I saw that he said the Indians were actually talking to the Yankees at some point, which, okay, I'm sure they're talking to anybody who has a reliever who's even slightly available. But So there is some kind of talk there. But what do you think, if anything, the Indians are going to do at the deadline? Any kind of, are they going to go for one of those three big players, like Miller, Chapman, Lucroy, or Bruce, four players? So any of those or anything different, what do you think they're going to do? Or what do you think they should do? Uh, I, I could see them being after... You know, like a, a bullpen upgrade, um, you know, someone to work late. Um, of the Yankee guys, Miller appeals a lot more to me than Chapman for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Uh, some of them baseball-related, one of them not. Uh, I mean, the baseball thing, he's, you know, Chapman's a rental who you wouldn't be able to make a qualifying offer to. So you're really just getting, you know, two, three months um, whereas Miller is, you know, signed for a reasonable contract for another couple of years. The hard thing for all of this for me is just like, I don't have a great grasp on like what the asking price would be. Um, I'm not giving up Frazier or Zimmer for a relief pitcher. Um, but you know, if they wanted like two prospects from like outside the top five, but somewhere in the top 15 for Miller, I could probably go for that. Um, I tend to think for LaCroix that the asking price would be more than I'd want to give up. Um, if they traded for him, like without giving up the entire farm system, I'm sure I could talk myself into it. I mean, there's there's good reasons to make a trade like that. I mean, the Indians can make the playoffs with their current roster. They can win the World Series with their current roster. It's not about that. It's about, you know, increasing your chances of doing that. Uh, and, you know, extra talent this year we know – can play a part in a season that really matters. We don't know. I mean, we, we want to think it will, but we don't know if talent that's going to be ready to help in three or four years, one, if it's actually going to be able to help. And two, 
we don't know if it's going to matter that season or not because if it helps the teams win, you know, the Indians win 78 games that year instead of 76, who really cares? Um, whereas this year, um, the wins definitely mean something. But I would tend to think I'm probably against what it, I imagine it would take to get LaCroix, but potentially interested. And if not one of the Yankees, I'm sure at some point some other good relievers will come up. I think the bullpen's an area I would like to see them upgrade. Um, you know, the offense for Jan Gomes struggles for third base and the outfield kind of being a little shaky. They're third in the American League in runs per game. Uh, so I don't feel like the offense is a big problem. And, you know, they might regress a bit in the second half. Um, but the bullpen is like a more affordable area to improve. And, and for me, is a more concerning area anyway. How about you? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm where you are with Miller and Chapman. I want Miller more because of the duration of how long the Indians would have in them. Obviously, the off the field stuff. And I saw, I was looking for it um, while you were talking, but I couldn't find it. But it's like fan-sided, basically equivalent of SB Nation's MLB Daily Dish blog. But they had a post where they were like making up scenarios for trades. And one of theirs was like Aiken and Frazier and somebody else for Andrew Miller. <laughs> That's what outside of the Indians organization, organization thinks it would take. I wouldn't want to go anywhere near that. And like no. you said, if it's for something outside the top 15 maybe, but nothing even close to that I wouldn't want a relief pitcher for. And then Jonathan Lucroy, maybe, I guess. But, I mean, I like Roberto Perez so much that I'm fine with not trading for anybody. And I would argue that third base over outfield. I think everybody's saying the Indians need an outfield is kind of like a leftover story from the offseason when it seemed like they did. But now that we're here, we have three at least that might regress, but they're playing really well right now, so I don't see a reason to trade for an outfielder. And then when Brantley comes back, obviously, if he's good, you have too many outfielders, which is something we didn't think would happen. But I don't see any reason to really trade for an outfielder, especially Jay Bruce, because anything he gives you offensively, he's going to give right back on defense. And I don't think that was ever really a rumor. It was just John Heyman saying, hey, this is a thing that could happen because the Indians have an injured outfielder and Jay Bruce can be traded. And that was that just kind of blew up from there. So I don't think that'll happen. But maybe third base, there's just not a whole lot available there off the top of my head, like Valencia, maybe that's about it. Um, but yeah, I want a bullpen arm. If if it's not something too crazy, I would like Andrew Miller. If not, there's a couple guys in Milwaukee I would like. Uh, the Diamondbacks, like Tim Hudson. and Or not Tim Hudson. Is that his name? No, I, I don't believe Tim Hudson is still pitching. <laughs> You're thinking of Daniel Hudson. Daniel Hudson, that's the one. Yeah, Daniel Hudson and a couple other relievers in Arizona. Um, but yeah, a bullpen is where I'm still sitting at. I'm also fine with not making any trades. <laughs> Like you said, they could win this year um, just based on what they have. As long as you can get to the playoffs, you have a chance of winning. You're just going to increase your chances slightly. And especially with a reliever with Terry Francona, you're only going to get so many innings out of Andrew Miller, whoever you get. So I wouldn't want to sell too much for him, I think. If you can convince uh, Francona to get away from Brian Shaw even, you're still not going to get more than maybe a few dozen innings out of a reliever that you get at the deadline. So yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like Francona is getting a lot of grief for that and like a sort of potential if they were to... I tend to think if Terry Francona had Andrew Miller, he'd have no problem putting him as the primary setup guy and, and putting Shaw into a third role. I mean, he's loyal to Shaw because Shaw is his guy and because there's not really anyone who's clearly better suited for that role. I know at times this year, it feels like anyone has been better than Shaw, uh, but... I don't think if the Indians suddenly had Miller, Miller would be stuck pitching sixth and seventh inning duty. 
Yeah, I agree. But still, I mean, either way, if you get a reliever, you're only getting so many innings out of him. I wouldn't want to sell a future like seven years of potentially a really good outfielder for half a season of a reliever, I think. Even a couple years of reliever, like in, in Andrew Miller's case. Going to get an all-star outfielder back. And yeah, we don't know if he's going to... I mean, I'm concerned he's not going to be back. But like, I wouldn't trade for Jay Bruce. I feel like the chances of Michael Brantley being a big impact are better than the, the, the chances of Jay Bruce. So why give up prospects when you can just pull someone off the DL? Right, definitely. I mean, if Jay Bruce just needs to be a first baseman or DH somewhere, which I bet whoever trades for him, they should do that. I wouldn't put him anywhere near the right field, I don't think. He looks awful right now. So, uh, any other trade stuff? I mean, that's the thing everybody really wants to know about, but I'm like you. I'm not very good at figuring out the cost of anybody, and I don't think anybody really is. We always kind of guess, and when you're right, you look really good. But I any other trades? I enjoy making it up and like talking about what they would do, and I used to. For me, it just sort of feels like wasted energy to try to imagine a bunch of scenarios and how would I feel about them. Like when actual scenarios come up, I you know I'm happy to weigh in on them. And I'm sure some actual scenarios will come up in the next two and a half weeks. Yeah, you kind of go down a rabbit hole with that when you start looking at trying to figure out what a certain player would be worth because you go back and look at recent trades and then looking at people's farm systems, then it's four hours later and you have one little stupid fake trade that nobody, everybody will call you dumb for anyway. So <laughs> it's kind of wasted energy, like you said. So um, we're finally going to have baseball tomorrow. So let's talk about that. We're going to be facing the terrifying Twins who for some reason the Indians can't beat this year. They're absolutely horrible against everybody else. Overall, the Twins are 32-56, and 56, last in the AL Central, 20 games back of the Indians. They have won seven of the last ten coming into the All-Star break, including a 3-1 series win over the Rangers. The Indians are only 2-4 and four against them this season. That was kind of before the Indians started going on a tear, but even then, the Indians were an above-average team, and the Twins already looked terrible, but the Indians just couldn't beat them. Their only All-Star was at Eduardo Nunez, which was kind of the... We have to get an all-star thing, I think. <laughs> if the Twins weren't required to have an all-star, I don't think Eduardo Nunez would have made it. He has a 321, 347, 49 slash. Maybe he would have been close. I don't know. And then we'll keep up Robbie Grossman watch, who the Indians let go. He's 26. And for some reason, he's amazing. He's slashing 289, 421 on base percentage, 465 slugging. So his power is coming back down the earth a little bit, but he is still getting on base at a crazy rate, which I can't explain, but... Again, I'm sorry, Mr. Grossman. Please come back. So what do you think of the Twins series coming up? Uh, I don't want to watch the Indians lose another series to the Twins this year. Uh, that would it would be, be nice you know, to get the second half off on a, on a good start. Yeah, the Indians have this long road trip coming out of the break because of uh, the convention that's going to be in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Twins are the crummy team on this road trip so it'd be nice to start off by at least taking two or three before going off to play the royals and orioles yeah that'd be ideal i mean they're not a good team at all <laughs> nothing about them is good this year they kind of know it and byron buxton was in a scary position too i mean he's a player that if he wasn't on the twins i would like to watch him a lot but um i mean he's just so fun to watch i wish he wasn't on minnesota but he crashed into a wall kind of all the tyler naquin last year but he was apparently fine so he should be playing he's had a bad season I mean, there's not much to talk about with the twins they're just awful and the indians should beat him <laughs> <laughs> Which is and nice to have to do. I mean, the Indians, you know, they're playing the Twins and the Royals and the Orioles. Uh, you know, and the Royals uh, are decent and defending world champions. And the Orioles continue to defy our expectations. It looked like they were coming down to earth when the Indians were getting ready to play them, but they've continued to play well. Um, but there's not a lot of great starting pitching on any of those teams. So, I mean, the Indians should 
should have the better starting pitcher in like all nine games of this road trip. Uh, so you know, it's a, it's 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 a long road trip, but they should be rested after the break, uh, and you know they should have the advantage in all three series. You know, take them one one at a time, but it'd be nice to see them. You know, win six games on this road trip and and rebuild the momentum to push to the last couple months of the year. Yeah, you mentioned that they need the break. I mean, this is kind of a tangent here, but you mentioned they kind of need the break. They definitely did. <laughs> like, I mean, they look really bad at the end. I think that as a, the players, they can't admit, like, we're tired after 19-inning game and so many games in a row. But I think as fans, we can kind of realize they looked really bad going into the break because they were exhausted. The bullpen was burnt. All the players were obviously – all the offense was obviously getting a little worn down. So I think it'll be good coming out of the break, even if it's a long road trip. And they're not – Yeah, not like you said, it's, it's, it's a long road trip, but – uh, you know, with uh, against teams that they ought to be able to score runs again. So you know, the offense can hopefully get things clicking again, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm feeling pretty good about things right now. Yeah, not bad. Unless you have anything else to talk about the Twins, or the next thing would be social media questions. Which no, we had, let's but, go with that. Okay, cool. What people want to know. <laughs> We had a couple this week. Um, two from Bless You Boys, which is obviously the Detroit Tigers blog. Their first one, which they've asked a couple times, but I think it's worth addressing every time. They wanted to know, can we have Francisco Lindor? I'm going to go with no. <laughs> but to their credit, they do ask really politely. They are trying. They even asked the actual Indians Twitter account, and they said no. <laughs> I'm glad yeah, they're no. not getting mixed messages. <laughs> No, you can't. The other real question was, um, of your group of seemingly overperforming outfielders, Davis, Naquin, Ramirez, Chisholm, who is most likely to sustain it? Uh, do you want to take it first? Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of like continuing to be a good player, I guess I'd say Naquin. I mean, just because he's young and in theory getting better. Not that I think his numbers are going to be better. I think his numbers are going to drop off. Um, you know, I don't think there's... You know, none of them. I don't think Naquin included are, are all stars. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying Naquin's play right now, but I don't expect him to quite keep that up. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think I've talked myself into him. You know, he not just being like a quadruple A play error uh, or fourth outfielder. I mean, I think he can be a legit starter. Yeah, I don't know. None of them like jumps way out for me. But I guess just because he's younger Naquin's the one I would go with. How about you? Yeah, I'm kind of the... Um, well, my answer is going to be Jose Ramirez, but I'm kind of the same way that you are with Naquin. It started... The beginning of the season was, okay, he can try. And then it was, okay, he looks great, but he's not going to keep doing it. And then it was, he's still doing it, okay. <laughs> and now I'm kind of... Or then it was, let's just ride him until it all falls off. But now I'm not so sure if it's going to all fall off. I mean, he has been always a high BAPIP hitter, and he's just doing it now. He's not getting cheap contact. He's hitting everything hard. So, I mean, I think he's still going to be a pretty good hitter. He might have played his way into being, maybe not the future center fielder, but quite a bit of a center fielder for the Indians. So he's obviously going to fall off a little bit, but he's still going to be good, I think. But my answer is Ramirez. I think he's, this is what he is. He's not hitting terribly, like, unsustainably, I don't think. His bat up is 325, so it's a little up. But everything else, I mean, he's a WRC plus of 108, so that's not terribly over what I think he could hit. I think this is the Jose Ramirez we thought we were going to get at the end of 2014, and then sort of showed up at the end of 2015 and hopefully he's just going to stick there as maybe like a third baseman in the future. I don't think he's going to be an outfielder, obviously when Brantley comes back, but his hitting I think is going to stay right about where it is. And Chisholm Hall, 
he's always been a streaky hitter. I don't know if he can keep this up forever. I think eventually he's going to go on a downward slide for a little while, but then again, he'll streak back up again. And then Davis, he's always got the speed, but I don't know. I don't think he's going to hit this well for the rest of the season. And obviously he'll be gone after this year with almost no reason to try re-signing him. Um, but yeah, my answer is Ramirez. Because I think he's not hitting too far above his head right now, especially compared to Naquin and even Chisholm. Yeah, I just think, like, Ramirez, I mean, and I know he's played there a ton. I'm just right now, like, not even really thinking of him as, like, an out. I'm thinking of him as, like, the team's third baseman for the second half more than I'm thinking of him as in the mix for an outfield spot. I hope, you know, Brantley can come back and get back to doing his thing. Uh, you know, and then you've got Brantley and left, Davis in center, uh, you know, Chisholm and right, that, and that's already you don't have a spot for Naquin. So there's obviously going to be some mixing and matching. So I feel like if Brantley is, is, is back for real, uh, Ramirez is, is going to be basically the team's third baseman and, and playing very little outfield in the second half. Yeah. It's weird that when, when Brantley first comes back, if he's not hitting quite up to himself right away, Brantley returning might actually hurt the offense for a little while. I never thought that would happen, but it might. Yeah, no, I mean, for the for the brief time he was with the team earlier this year, he didn't help the offense. He was terrible at the plate. <laughs> yes. Also terrible anyway. Yeah, but again, he had something lingering there. He says now he's 100%, so maybe he won't be that bad when he comes back. Um, and then the next one is Jacob L. Rosson on Twitter, uh, who's, by the way, he's an Indians fan. He used to write for Waiting for Next Year, I think, one of the other blogs. He's really great to follow. Um, he wants to know what assets, prospects are you willing to trade or assuming the Indians will trade for a bullpen arm sometime soonest, which assets, prospects are you willing to trade? I've been trying to make kind of a post out of this, just trying to find a way to make it interesting. Basically, like a how you should feel about each prospect being traded kind of post. If you would have asked me like a couple of weeks ago, when it was still clear that Zimmer was the number one prospect, I kind of have a thing with trading, like <laughs> I've kind of used in video games. I don't know if it works in real life, but if you have two prospects that are one and two, like and they're really close, I would trade the number one. If like at this point, I don't think Zimmer and Fraser are close, but when they were close, I would have traded Zimmer when he was the top prospect, just because you can say you're trading a number one prospect and probably get more back. But I wouldn't be okay with trading either of them right now, because I don't think you're gonna get enough for Zimmer and Fraser. I really want to stick around. And I can't imagine anything that'd be good for half a year, even a couple years, that make up for losing Fraser with how good he looks right now. Wouldn't want to trade Clevenger. Maybe a couple of the lower relief arms. Or maybe like just a Sheffield, something like that. But nothing that's even close to major league ready. I wouldn't be trading. I wouldn't be okay with the Indians trading right now. I don't think. What about you? For reliever, not Frazier or Zimmer. Um, beyond them, just about anyone would be like sort of in the mix. And for me, with that, it, like when you know all of the pitchers, I don't have a great sense of like you know how good any of the pitching prospects are going to turn out. Uh, you know, the Indians obviously know more about these guys than we do and know more about these guys than any other team does. So I feel like wh- whoever internally they think is the team's best pitching prospect or two best pitching prospects, I wouldn't want them to trade either of those guys either. But I feel like whoever they think is like the team's third or fourth best pitching prospect is still a guy that, you know, might bring a lot in the trade and another team might think even more highly of. Um, you know, so in that kind of situation, uh, you know, if the Indians traded away one of their better pitching prospects and secretly it wasn't one of the guys they thought had the best chance of really making it, 
I'd be okay with that for someone like Miller, who's a legitimately, you know, great reliever and isn't just a, you know, half a season rental. Yeah, that'd be okay. And I'm also, I should also mention, I'm okay with trading, obviously, Eric Gonzalez. I mean, he he's hitting well enough, I think, to probably be in the majors. Well, playing defense well enough. He's still not hitting great, but there's no place for him on the Indians. <laughs> Jose Ramirez and Lindor are both blocking him. And then Yandy Diaz, maybe he's made himself into probably a good enough left field and third base. But again, that's what the Indians need, so maybe he'll get promoted. And then the other big name... I think probably is like Bobby Bradley, which would you be okay with trading him at this point? You think just a pure first baseman who can hit really hard. Which yeah, I think I probably would. Team. I mean, as much power potential as he has, like you, you're not going to get talent without giving up talent. So like, I feel like you, you know, you can only, you can only put so many guys off limits before what you're basically saying is we're unwilling to make any trades. Uh, yeah. You know, Frazier and Zimmer are both good prospects who could be on the Indians a year from now. Um, you know, Bradley, there's a lot of projecting when you talk about what he might do someday. He's a ways away still. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, really, Frazier and Zimmer are the only names I would say hard no to. All of the pitchers I would throw into that group of, I don't want the Indians to give up the guy they think is going to be the best of that bunch. Uh, but I don't know who that guy is. So, you know, if they trade one of those pitching prospects and... You know, then the, the front office whispers in my ear, don't worry, you know, he wasn't top on our list. I'd be like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And then there's also, like, prospects down way low in the minors. Like, Tristan McKenzie, he's been unhittable in Mahoning Valley. And then Brady Aiken. I'd be okay with trading either of those. I don't think the Indians would be. I think the kind of overarching thing they're going for now is just stockpile arms and see what sticks. I mean, it's obviously worked with the current rotation, so I would imagine they're going to keep doing that going forward. So I don't think they'll be trading maybe any of their pitching prospects, other than maybe someone like Justice Sheffield, who's kind of in the middle, who he could be ready in a couple of years, but his ceiling isn't tremendously high, like Aiken and McKenzie. So maybe somebody like that, but I would be okay with him trading one of the higher-end pitchers who are still ways away, but I don't think they will be okay with trading him, especially for a, for a bullpen arm. I'm never too keen to giving up too much, because you can get like any pitcher who can suddenly turn into a good bullpen arm, I think. And even the Indians, for all we talk about how bad Brian Shaw has been, their bullpen is still not terrible compared to other teams and they can make up with it with starting pitching when it's good and the starters carry like six innings every night so yeah i wouldn't want to give up too much for a bullpen so the next question our final one is from andrew goring on twitter he wants to know this first part we already kind of answered who are you willing to give up for chapman or miller which i think we both kind of addressed that already but the second part would the tribe actually shell out nine million for a relief pitcher over the next few years which he's talking about miller specifically he's owed through 2017 or 18, but it's $9 million every year. So what do you think? Do the, Would the Indians be willing to take on all that money if they think they're going to win this year? And I know we talked about if they win, they're obviously going to have a bigger payroll, but then does Andrew Miller suddenly take up all that extra money they had for winning? That's kind of another thing we got to think about, because if they're going to trade, they might want somebody else to take some of that cash on. Although they did say earlier that they have some money to play around with at the trade deadline, so maybe they'd be okay with $9 million per year. What do you think? Yeah, I think they'd be. I mean, like... $9 million a year just isn't that much money anymore. The weird thing is, if he were to join the team right now, he would be the highest paid player on the team this year, and it would be bizarre to have your setup man be the highest paid player on the team. Uh, but I don't like, I, I hope our front office wouldn't view it as, oh my God, we can't let our highest paid player be, you know, our setup man. <laughs> Quick, uh, Carlos, you know, more money. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not that much money. It's it's you know in terms of like the value he can provide if he continues to pitch the way he has for the last couple of years. It's not like a bad contract at all. Um, I'm it's it's it, he signed through 2018 uh, for nine million a year. I don't think there's any options or buyouts at the end of that. Um, yeah, I just I just nine million. I, I know I'm repeating myself. It's just not that much money anymore. Uh, I don't I don't think adding a player who signed for $9 million next year and the year after would do anything to really alter the, the team's, you know, structure or planning or anything like that. Because again, their, their payroll this year is only as high as it looks because of a lot of dead money. And, you know, there's other guys in the team who are going to be getting raises next year, but not, you know, $25 million worth of raises. Um, so Miller's contract to me isn't a concern at all. It's a plus to me if you can get a reliever that good who's, you know, signed reasonably. Obviously, for the Indians, it's nice to have guys like that who are, you know, pre-arbitration. Um, but they don't have, you know, Cody Allen's a good closer, but the rest of the bullpen, they're not terrible. Uh, but they don't inspire a world of confidence. I'd, I'd like to have a guy who felt like a shutdown reliever to take over an inning in any close postseason game. Yeah, that is the big thing. I mean, when it comes to like winning in the regular season, you're talking about marginal improvements. But when you're like in game seven of a pivotal series, you want to have that guy in the last couple innings. Yeah, so well, in the postseason because of extra days off and stuff like that. You're, I mean, the Royals the last couple of years, you know, when they won the American League both times and the World Series last year. I don't remember that, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but a massive percentage of their relief innings in close games were by like their top three relievers. Like your fifth reliever doesn't matter very much in the postseason because if you're using them, the game's probably a mess anyway. So, but having your top three guys be really good is, is more significant in the postseason because instead of only being able to pitch, you know, every two or three games, they're now pitching basically every close game. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think to basically wrap up the answer is no Zimmer or Frazier for for a reliever, basically. And then the contract is no issue, basically. I said basically a lot, but you get the idea. <laughs> so that's all the questions we have. That's pretty much our show. The Indians are probably, probably going to be playing tomorrow, so we'll have lots of games to talk about next week. Hopefully lots of games that involve beating the Twins and the Royals. So what are you going to be up to coming up here until our next episode? Uh, what am I going to be doing? Well, actually watching baseball again, because I was away for the last week before I, I boarded a flight where the Indians were in like the 14th inning of their marathon game and landed and had to immediately check my phone to see if they had won or not. Uh, and so I was following online all last week before the break, but have not actually watched an inning of baseball, uh, since that, the first couple innings of the marathon game. So I'm looking forward to just watching the indians uh, <laughs> yeah, beyond that know. not much how about you i uh what what is my, my final question for you is not baseball related it is what are you going to be up to related though i want to know your top pokemon story of the last week i don't have any specific stories but yeah i'm playing way too much pokemon go i mean i wear sandals when i walk around to have like a little tan line where the sandals go i've been it's like <laughs> i've been riding or walking so that's kind of good but, I mean, the craziest thing was, like, before it started to take off, 
when I was really aware of everybody walking around, I just saw like one person with their phone in their face and then three people with their phone in their face. And then it was just like a flood of people. Cause I'm in a really small town where nothing really catches on that big, but we have, you don't play it right at all. No, no. Nope. What a loser. But, I think it's great that people are super into it. I know a lot of people who don't play it are really like judgmental of people and oh, you like you're grown ups. I think it's great that people are like into it. And if I, were a little younger and had been into Pokemon when I was younger, I'm sure I would be obsessively playing. I'm actually relieved that I have no interest in Pokemon because if I got into it, I wouldn't be like a casual player. I would be like one of those people getting mugged in an empty parking lot at two in the morning because Charmander was supposed to be there. <laughs> Although I will say it's, it's not really a Pokemon game. You're just collecting things that happen to be things tied to people's nostalgia. Cause it's based off a game sort of that, Niantic made before, which is called Ingress, where you just basically shot stuff. So it was harder to explain the cops because you'd be sitting. There's no way to play this game and not look like you're playing a robbery constantly. So you'd be like sitting outside of a police building. They'd ask you what you were doing. And you'd have to say that you were hacking a terminal, which doesn't sound good. So it's easier to say you're catching a Pokemon and explain it. But it's a lot of fun. And like in our town, we have three little things where people add something called lure. So it attracts them all and everybody just sits around and catches them. It's really cool. I've heard some people in public loudly complain that there's so many people with their phones in their face already, but then I've also seen so many more people just having fun <laughs> all of the stories. Like some guy, they're waiting for a train and he asks his girlfriend to yeah. wait because he's about to catch a Pokemon and she like rolls her eyes and gets on the train and leaves him behind. And <laughs> One girl found like, a body. <laughs> people are, That's a real thing. Catching Pokemon at the National Holocaust Museum, which it's like, oh, there's got to be a way for the designers to not be sending Pokemon into the National Holocaust Museum. Yeah, it's because they went, the way they set it up before is people who played Ingress would actually mark the landmarks, and then they just kind of transferred that over and used it. And people, obviously the Holocaust Museum is a landmark, so people used it, but... Now that so many more, it's, it wasn't really a problem when it was just Ingress and so many people, but now that it's extremely popular, you can kind of tell where the bad spots are. Because graveyards are another big one. I try to avoid that because, I mean, you have to walk through the graveyard and sit. The one near me, you have to walk through a graveyard and sit by a tree and do it, which just seems kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as like walking up and down like Main Street here, it's really fun. <laughs> you should try it, I'm telling you. No, I'm definitely not going to, but I'm going to continue to enjoy reading about it. <laughs> it should create a lot of good stories for a while. And also, if you didn't see the Clippers, the Columbus Clippers, the Indians AAA affiliate, they opened up Hutchinson Park. So everybody can just go in and catch them. I thought that was really cool. And maybe they should do it during a baseball game. They should have an actual <laughs> game going on. Uh, with like special rules and I don't even know how I don't know enough about how the app works to know but I feel like during a game and then that game should be televised because I want to see what it would look like <laughs> you like let people on the field no well oh, I was gonna say you should tell people they're not allowed in the field but then they should like twice during the game have one appear on the field just to see how many people have so little self-control that they jump over the wall <laughs> to try to catch it <laughs> It'd be cool if they could do that. I don't think they can quite yet. But I'm sure they couldn't, but... <laughs> but... It would be bizarre seeing it if they, like, had a specific Pokemon Go break. Because if you haven't seen video of people in a crowd doing it, because I mean, I've seen it in person, obviously, but it's just people slowly walking around, stopping, swiping a phone. It's really, like, po post-apocalyptic looking <laughs> until you're actually doing it and you get what's going on and you're talking to people, but... 
carefully marked for the people who want nothing to do with it, and therefore we can keep talking about Pokemon for a couple minutes. Like, so let's say there's a Pokemon, you know, whatever Pokemon, like everyone who's in that area can catch that same Pokemon, or once someone catches it, does it like disappear from everyone else's phone or whatever? Well, I know for sure it doesn't disappear if somebody else catches it. It doesn't... I don't think it's exact. Like, if there's one here, everybody can get it. People seem to think it is, but, I mean, I don't always see the same ones. So, sort of. But, no, if one somebody else catches it, anybody can catch it. It just depends on what level your character is. Depends on what level the Pokemon will be. And I think their goal was to make it so it's in the same place, but it doesn't always work the way it's intended. So, sometimes it'll be, it'll be like a Squirtle over here, but it's actually way over there. But that's the way it's intended. You're supposed to walk around with a group of people, and then you'll hear somebody far away yell Charizard, then everybody runs in that direction. <laughs> it's really cool, the whole city. It's going to be interesting to see when it dies down a little bit, what it's like when there's fewer people playing. But right now, it's just crazy how popular it is. And I saw a video footage like, from like Central Park, and it was an absurd number of people. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at Google Trends right now, somebody posted where you like, you like yeah, you can compare how many things people are searching for. There's a chart of, like, they did Gungam Style, Coney 2012, what else was it, Brexit, and Donald Trump, and Pokemon Go. And the Pokemon Go one, it just shoots straight up compared to everything else. So yeah, it I mean, is I like heard that if, like, the end of the first five days continued, that by the end of this week, there'll be more active Pokemon Go users than there are active Twitter users. Yeah, that's it's already the number. I think that might actually have happened already. It's getting really close if it happens. It's going to happen. But it's already the number one app. It's the highest grossing app already. Nintendo stock went up like yeah. something crazy, like 50%. <laughs> and I don't think they thought this was going to be this big either. The early reviews weren't great, and Nintendo never really talked about it. It just kind of happened, and then it exploded. Indeed. And then soon they're going to release this little thing where you can pin it on your clothes. You don't even need your phone. You just press a button to catch them. So that'll be neat. I'm looking forward to that. You have to like physically like <laughs> pretend you're throwing something to catch them, right? Sort of. You just flick your phone. Okay. It's like if you play those games, there's like Flick Kicker and stuff like that. It's just that. And one kind of neat thing is, it was a brilliant thing they did where you can take pictures. I'm sure you've seen them by now, right? Yes. Where it looks like they're actually... That, that was... Whoever thought of that idea needs a huge raise. Does that work? Like when you look at your phone, what do you see? When you're battling a Pokemon, you see what the pictures see because it uses your camera and AR and it locks them into place. So you can like move around. It won't be, if you're looking to the right, it might not be there. But when you look straight ahead, it'll be there. So it does kind of look like they're actually there. But I turn it off just because it's easier and it saves battery. <laughs> but when they have it in there, it encouraged everybody to take pictures. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons it took off. So no, that yeah, was a the, really good idea. The best picture I saw, and assuming it was real, I guess maybe it was faked. But it was the guy literally in the delivery room while his wife was giving birth <laughs> and he was like catching a Pokemon that was at the foot of her bed. Oh, yeah, I believe that because they're all over hospitals and stuff. I've seen ones where, I mean, because it's a perspective issue, too, because they always look the same size on the screen. So people would be sitting high up the stands in a baseball game. And there was this one Pokemon called Krabby. He's this little crab. He looked gigantic on the field. That was a funny one. <laughs> but yeah, they're everywhere. It's going to keep going. They're going to do updates every two weeks, so that'll be huge for a while, I think. Well, then every two weeks, we can do our Pokemon update. There we go. We need to. <laughs> Although it's worth... it's. I can I can bet in the next couple of days, we're going to go in the same pattern of every popular thing. It's going to reach like a certain point, 
and then people will be sick of hearing about it and then it'll go down and then they'll get excited about something else and it'll go in a loop for a while. <laughs> it's just kind of the way it always happens. But for now, it's really fun and you should do it. I think I convinced Matt Schlichting to do it. So I think you did too. I, I'm, you, honestly, the reason you're not going to convince me is because I'm not good at doing things casually. So like, <laughs> if I got into it, I, I would get really into it. And I just don't have time to get really into it. So yeah, and there's people who have spent I, like six hundred dollars on this thing already. You what? They've spent hundreds of dollars on it. The people you see if they post, like with thousands of combat power Pokemon, they've spent a ton of money getting. All there are these little eggs that double how much XP you get for doing things. But people have spent hundreds of dollars to do that. That <laughs> you said you personally. Oh no, no, spent. I haven't spent. If, if you have an Android phone, you get these Google Rewards things. Have you ever done those? No. But they give you Google Play money. I had a bunch of that saved up that I spent. And now all my Google survey money is going straight to Pokemon Go. But I haven't used any real money yet. All right. Well, if that changes, you should pretend it hasn't changed anyway, at least if you're talking out loud. Because <laughs> I imagine your your wife might not be pleased to know that the grocery money was, was going to it. <laughs> I really needed to get to level 20. You don't even know. Although the main thing, like, if more apps, because there's another part of the game where you get eggs, and you could, you have to walk to hatch them, that's just something that's got me wanting to walk and run a lot more. So if more apps either had, like, a fitness mode where you could change passage of time for footsteps, or even just a game based on, like, hatching things as you go, I'd probably play that, too. That's my favorite part so far. See, I've heard lazy people are, like, taping theirs to ceiling <laughs> fans and, and trying to get, like the yep. steps by having it spin around on the fan and then breaking their phones like idiots. So <laughs> you can do that to hear you're actually walking or you can tie it on a train. Like if you have an old toy train and put it in a circle, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant like an actual train. Like. <laughs> you could do that too. That might go a little too fast. It kind of stops after a certain speed, but <laughs> you're <worth laughs> you, like, you've got a friend three stops down. who's going to grab your phone <laughs> and the egg will be hatched by the time it gets there. Yeah. So yeah, that was our 20-minute Pokemon Go chat, I think. That's the that one I'm going to do week. <laughs> if I'm not writing or watching baseball. Although maybe <laughs> if we had started the podcast up when The Force Awakens was in theater, every week we would have had a 20-minute Force Awakens <laughs> tangent. I think we so did. We, we can spare talk about it, though. Yeah. We still have to talk about that. Well, yeah, I feel like at this point, like now we have to wait till like, Rogue One is close or something. That's true. I'm not that excited about Rogue One. I just want the episodic ones. Because even if it's really out. good, like I, I'm impatient for it, but I'm also glad that like I'm gonna have to wait because people are too used to getting everything immediately and like binge watching. <laughs> like I would, I was, it was for me a relief that like every two years, that's good. That's not a super long wait, but it's long enough for me to like wonder about it and think about it and then get impatient and excited for it. So I could do, I, I could go with or without like the spinoffs, like Rogue One. I'm legitimately concerned about the Han Solo one because Han Solo is super awesome and I don't want them to screw that up. But if these, if, if the ones that aren't part of the trilogy stink, so be it. I just don't want episodes eight and nine to not be awesome. Yeah. I have quite a bit of faith in those though. And apparently they did a ton of reshoots on Rogue One. So who knows? Yeah. I heard that was like partially to change like the tone of some of it, which is a little concerning because supposedly like executive side, it was a little too dark. And I was like, oh, be kind of cool yeah, the director has done some really dark stuff, and I guess he wanted to make Rogue One really dark. Yeah, like, kind of cool. My thing about like the Disney Marvel Avengers movies is like there's like a like a 
baseline quality that they all clear like they're all enjoyable enough but they all feel kind of the same and like mm -hmm. i don't know I, I hope if they're if they're gonna do a star wars movie every year i hope they let some of them not be big family movies like let some of them be a little darker but i guess this is the first one they've got to feel like they can go pretty broad with it we'll see yeah should be good i'm still i'll watch it but i'm mainly looking forward to the episodic ones which apparently it's done filming, so. We'll yeah, we were in Ireland like two weeks after they finished filming there. Otherwise, I could have met Mark Hamill and <laughs> um, BFFs with him. <laughs> Why didn't you schedule your vacation two weeks earlier? Well, I didn't know when they were going to finish shooting. They're secretive about that kind of stuff. We were supposed to follow this very closely and know every step of the way where they're going to be filming. <laughs> okay. That's where we had stuff. Um, <laughs> be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And Our Pokemon Star Wars and a little Cleveland Indians baseball <laughs> will return. With a little bit of soccer, episode. a little bit of hockey. We talk everything. It's the all-star break. <laughs> okay, see you next time.